Hi, welcome to Corporate Calling by Bharat Innovation Fund, a podcast focused on candid conversations around corporate and startup partnerships. In today's episode, we're speaking with Mr. Hitesh Agarwal, who has recently joined a big tech based out in the Bay Area to lead one of their product efforts. Hitesh, in his previous role, has had a wide range of experiences in the financial services industry. He was the global head of product for alternative payments methods at Citibank in New York, where he led the extension of Citi's payments network into e-wallets and other strategic payment ecosystems. Before that, he's had many roles within the Citi ecosystem, be it roles around global payment strategy, partnerships, Citi ventures, and strategic scouting. It's easy to say that he has an in-depth understanding of the financial services ecosystem from a corporate startup partnership perspective. And without wasting much time, let's just jump into the conversation. I hope you all enjoy the podcast. Hey, Hitesh. Welcome to the podcast. How have you been doing? Hi, Ajit. Doing very well. Thanks for inviting me here and uh, having the privilege to talk to you about something innovative here. Yeah, Hitesh, it's the pleasure is all mine. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad that we you were able to host you here to get some of your insights for our audience. And maybe we could just kickstart, you know, the conversation in terms of understanding a little bit about you and what you've, you know, done in the past in terms of the roles that you've had, which are which have been startup facing in your career, be it, you know, on the ventures front, on the partnerships, on the MA front, and even places where you've been an advisor uh, to certain startups, you know, off and on uh, from your, you know, personal and your professional role as well. Hmm. Thanks for that. I would say I've been fortunate to have worked with a number of startups in varying capacity. Uh, During my time in corporate and investment banking, I primarily worked with the late stage startups for their funding needs or when they were going public or being acquired. These were companies primarily in US and China and uh, from all the sectors that I was covering. Later at uh, corporate venture arm and the payments team, I worked with a large number of globally, I would say, early mid-stage startups for investments and partnership with various businesses. My mandate was to co-create cutting-edge market-leading financial and payment products in partnership with these startups. I would say startups are great at rapid experimentation, bringing in innovation and technology, whereas large banks and, and large corporates bring years of experience, client relationships, and valuable data. Hence, a win-win partnership when they come together. And owing to the success of this model, um, we saw more and more startups and corporate partnerships during my time uh, at Citibank. Superb. I think uh, it's a little bit of a holistic sort of an exposure that you've had, which will sort of add value uh, to our conversation and, you know, will we'll, we'll bring a very different uh, sort of a perspective as well. So, I mean, one of the things that I wanted to, you know, chat about was, uh, you know, your opinions on the Indian deep tech startup ecosystem. What, according to you, are some of the areas within deep tech or fintech that uh, you feel that startups can solve or address? Uh, What are some of the global problems that you've seen are, uh, you know, still problems that could be addressed or still really large markets? Maybe also talk about certain use cases or specific startups if, you know, that's all right to talk about that you've looked at in the past and you said, hey, you know, this is something that is uh, still to become big, still a very pressing need within the corporate realm or within the you know fintech realm. 
that you've belonged to? Well, that was a loaded question. Let me try to break that and answer that in pieces. So okay, I would say sure. uh, since Flipkart was founded, I think 14, 15 years back, uh, at that time, many of the Indian startups were like a version of a global player, Amazon of India, Uber of India, and so on. But that has changed, and India is now hotbed of innovation at a global level. When I look for interesting startups outside Silicon Valley that are sol- solving for global challenges, India is among the top destination competing with Europe, Israel, Singapore, China, and, and some of the other uh, hotbed areas. The overall startup ecosystem has grown robust and integrate and integrate uh, at an accelerated pace in the last 10 years. As we saw more exits, more VC fund uh, raising big checks specifically for India-focused investments, and then many more fearless entrepreneurs taking the plunge. As a result, more quality startups coming out of India. So, in nutshell, I mean it's 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 great going forward. It's it has a bright future to it. To answer your question on deep tech, uh, depending on the way you define it, I believe it's a more complex, largely uncharted area revolving around uh, newer upcoming core technologies uh, such as advanced AI, photonics, electronics, bi- biotech, quantum computing, etc. that allows us to solve challenging problems. It, By very definition, it requires, uh, I would believe, collaboration with R&D facilities, university research arms, and more likely would have a longer gestation period and overall tougher nut to crack. Uh, and as, as a result of these uh, qualities of this this particular deep tech sector, it also impacts the investment and the funding landscape as well. Like any other sector, depending on the wider um, investment climate, it has its on and off. But in the recent years, when the mainstream tech adoption across the board has uh, risen, deep tech became even more obscure as simple digitization models in consumer space received all the limelight. So I would say easier to understand technology and easier to digitize model got more and more funding as mobile adoption, internet adoption took a pace. As a result, I believe deep tech fell slightly behind the curve. Uh, But next five years, next seven years would be a great time as it catches up and as more and more startups in this space get more funding. Uh, I think your next question, go ahead. I would also, yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to also uh, understand uh, some of the areas that you've seen uh, uh, which were impressive or still, you know, uh, very early markets still have, you know, the potential to uh, have or accommodate multiple startups or solutions that are big from uh, your experience. Makes sense, makes sense. So uh, let me start something very close to my expertise, which is treasury and payments. I believe there's still uh, an opportunity for uh, startups and entrepreneurs out there to completely automate it and do the treasury and payment functions in a large or a medium-sized corporate. It's a complex problem that requires access to an understanding of various structured and unstructured data sets, sophisticated automation to have self-driving, I would say, autonomous treasury at a large scale. Several startups are trying to tackle this problem in in slivers, where either they are taking um, account receivables or payments part or cash flow forecasting and things like that. Uh, But there could be 
very soon a startup in future that would have better APIs connectivity to access all that data and much better model to predict what would be the treasury and the payment needs for that. Now, so that is one. Second could be uh, auto investing. There are startups uh, like in US Betterment or other robo-advisors that have uh, taken the market by storm. Uh, but if you think about it, there's no limit of how much of data uh, a machine could consume and how good an AI model could be before it makes the prediction. And this prediction, if it is, even if it's 1% more accurate um, uh, than the previous one, there's a millions and billions of dollars that it could attract towards its way. So a very, very That's direct right. correlation into if you can do slightly better, it can turn into direct dollars. Uh, similarly, I mean, credit scoring is another area where if you do slightly better, um, you can win the market. I think you have a portfolio company credit with there in this space doing a great job. That's right. Uh, consumer behavior, a lot of signals uh, being missed out here. Again, a good uh, portfolio company and a good friend of mine uh, from Entropics doing that. Um, autonomous cars, oh, right. <laughs> drones, um, AI machine vision and all. Uh, quantum computing helps us where we need a very high computational power maybe for better security and things like that so I would say limitless opportunities here as we think of what deep tech could solve for us superb so that helps in understanding a couple of use cases and maybe helps some of the startups that listen to our conversation to maybe fine-tune their solutions to see if they could cater to any of these problem statements that you've spoken about the, uh, you know, one of the things that I feel uh, startups want to get a deeper view into is, uh, you know, what is somebody like a Hitesh thinking when we are pitching to him or his team, right? And uh, what are the, uh, you know, typical, uh, you know, checks that you want to see? What is your advice to startups when they are pitching to a corporate? And maybe some of the things that you feel... Uh, you know, aren't the best things to uh, put forward to a corporate uh, as such, right? Be it from uh, the way you pitch to where you are in the journey of the startup to the kind of partnership that you're looking at uh, or to the kind of people that you're talking to within the corporate also, right? So, I mean, it'll be great to get some insights, uh, you know, into what what would be a perfect conversation like, you know, I mean, there's nothing perfect, but what could be the, what could increase the, possibilities of getting a contract or a long-term relationship with a large global corporate or an MNC? Sure. So let me answer this from two angles. First, when I was part of the corporate venture team, and secondly, when I was, say, head of product and looking for more interesting, innovative startups with the help of my partnership team and uh, corporate venture team on the other side of the table. Sure. So I created my own checklist uh, that I'm happy to share. So I'll start with, first of all, the problem statement the startup is aiming to solve uh, or the flip side of that is, uh, is if that fits with what the large company needs internally unless there's a very strong need internally at a large corporate um, the solution that startup is offering there's a high probability if there's if there's not a match the discussion will die down and fall apart um, I would believe that there are many, uh, there are a lot more resources in a large corporate than in a startup. Uh, so it's easier for large corporates to carry on the discussion. Uh, but it takes a toll on a startup when your CEOs, head of product, and everyone um, is day in, day out on calls with the team. So 
for a startup i would say choose carefully choose wisely make sure the problem statement that you are pitching is on a high priority with the company that you are talking to so you are not spinning your wheels so that will be one second will be size and stage um so from when i was looking at companies i would not want them to be uh, the stage where where we partner would be an idol if they are not too big or not too small and the reason being if they are uh, too big it's difficult for us to work with them um, competing angle starts to play in difficult for us to influence the roadmap and work together as a one unit if they are too early in their journey and they are working with a very large corporate then uh, that large corporates end up taking a lot of their resources um, because again internally a large corporate would have team on marketing that wants to collaborate legal who wants to get something and and so on and as a result difficult for a smaller startup to meet the requirements so even though it seems like a great opportunity for a very small company but uh, the size and the problem statement should match to make it more effective third one could be uh, funding um always looking for a quality and a quantity of uh, funding which means a well funded strong vc backing um because a lot of the partnerships start with pocs corporate pocs which could uh, take a long time and a lot of resources and which are necessary for the company um, to prove the results and and for them to to do handshake so even though in most cases uh, um a large corporate or the bank end up funding the startup but they we could be worried that they the, the small startup might run out of the gas midway poc and then it could not go anywhere so if the the startup is funded by um, by big well known vcs and they um, they are going to a poc there is a comfort at the end that if even if the poc takes slightly bit longer than planned which is generally the case these guys would be okay with that and it would not hamper their overall growth so in general for the health of the startup this is also important also i mean out of here on on this point hitesh uh, i mean there may be certain startups that are a little bit uh, of a leaner shop which means that they could you know survive a little bit longer with less funding or you know from the founders investment themselves that may still be okay right i mean we come across all shapes and sizes of startups some that need a lot of capital some that are a little bit lean on uh, the requirement of capital as well is is that is that something that sells well also or uh, typically you've seen in the past from your network and you know broader network as well that you would look at a well funded startup uh, uh, as as one of the metrics not maybe the guiding metric but uh, it it could be of uh, some decent importance over somebody that is bootstrapped with you know the founder capital no you are right i mean it would it would largely depend on on the point one which is the problem that you are trying to solve and how eager the large corporate is uh, to to have the solution um, so if it's a easier problem uh, doesn't require a lot of funding um, maybe a service area may not be a high tech broad solution it works out but for example if you are as we discuss end to end treasury and payment automation which could be a big multi million dollar project even for one implementation then uh, good to have important to have um, have done this few times good experience in this area and have a good runway if the project takes 6 months 
definitely should have a runway in your funding for 12 to 18 months sure. so that um, you have a good good cushion there but i agree to your point this this also depends on the type of the problem that you are trying to solve got it got it yeah sorry i i, I almost cut you when you were speaking no worries no worries so i was saying the last point was around people and culture so everyone loves founder who are passionate and committed to what they are doing uh, big corporates especially consumer facing ones are concerned about their public image and right, rightfully so there's a lot of stake for them so important for large corporates to go with founders that are more considerate to their limitations uh, understand the speed at the large corporates work and where they where uh, a big corporate can associate their brand with founders and the startups as they will be catching a lot of media headlines and things like that i mean i'll i'll move to the next part of this question right in terms of you know building a deeper relationship with the corporate what are some of the things that you would advise entrepreneurs to sort of look through or keep in mind when they're approaching a corporate and you know who to approach and what should be a, a you know a typical checklist on their end also right sure i would say uh, i'll start with finding the right person and right team um, spam approach may not work as we discussed like um, finding the team for which your solution finding the solution that you have is a priority so that you spend right amount of energy and time um, in in getting it through so that is super important so right team right person in a large organization is is becomes super important second um, sometimes a better route could be to go through the corporate venture arm which are more open to new ideas which are more equipped and experienced in talking to startups at an early age uh, more equipped for cold calls and things like that and secondly have a very good very strong internal network so if you reach out to them if they like you they can make sure that you find the right person in the right team uh, without expending a lot of energy third could be uh, i would say open to longer convert cycles uh, this would not be a typical uh, vc funding where it turns out in, uh, in in a few days and it happens in large corporates a lot of approvals are required a lot of budgeting is, is required product cycles are longer uh, but obviously the game the the pod is also bigger at the end so have to be considerate of the fact of the pros and cons of, of working with a large organization uh, lastly i would say uh, do not sign any exclusivity agreements or and uh, anything of that nature even though it might look promising in the beginning it overall hampers a startup's growth in a in a long run yeah that's a very that's a very good point because you may sign an exclusivity agreement with a partner and then the project may not go forward and then you're sort of stuck in that space uh, so a very good point the other thing uh, uh, Hitesh, that I wanted to check is, uh, you know, you mentioned about longer cycles, and sometimes, you know, after an introductory call, uh, you know, cert- certain team members in corporates have other priorities as well, and uh, there may be a little bit of a, uh, uh, you know, other priorities that they're chasing. In in terms of that, you know, what is the level of follow up that is tolerable? or uh, you know corporates <laughs> typically are okay with you know you following up 100 times and they'll be happy to respond right at least in in your personal uh, sort of capacity uh, do you get uh, you know bogged down with you know very regular follow ups or uh, you know how do you handle that 
as a as a startup and personally also how do you how do you go about it that's a good point no i definitely do get those so i i would say i would be i i generally candid with startups if i believe it's not a priority for the business i check internally i let them know that maybe let's connect back 6 months 12 months from now and then at the time your time will be more utilized so i i in my personal opinion time is the most important uh, thing the startup has they are they are valued because they are fast they are nimble they can produce results in 3 months whatever a bigger corporation can do in a longer time and if they are um, spending most of their time with me chasing me uh, then i'm not doing a very good service to them so that is from my side i would say from a startup side they can do the same thing they can check in that hey this is not a priority right now we understand is it okay if we check in 3 months from now or 4 months from now? so they give them that leeway maybe they are not comfortable uh, they have not worked with many startups they don't know how to say no uh, that's why they are pushing next week next week uh, so good to give them a, a kind of a feeler to see uh, what's the what their internal timelines look like what's their interest level is and check with them also if there's someone else some other some other team Uh, that is more uh, relevant that is more efficient or that is uh, that has a priority for this kind of a solution right now so that could help yeah i think that's a good insight right uh, putting it out that should we follow up after a month or a quarter or you know couple of weeks in advance so sort of preempting the answers if you're not getting a response right so that that helps in at least for a startup structuring it on their end on their projects and their pipeline it will optimize it for them moving on to another question that is something that i'd love to hear your thoughts on um many indian startups especially in the deep tech context are trying to build a, a solution which is of global nature and they would ideally love to have a global you know clientele as such we've seen you know enough scenarios where there are startups that have teams sitting out of different geographies or hqd in a different geography for whatever reason what according to you are some of the things that a startup should keep in mind when they're pitching to somebody on a global front mm-hmm. to also want to understand how much of this physical presence is something that helps or doesn't help has that changed significantly during the pandemic also uh, just wanted to get your view on that and it'll make a lot of things uh, clearer for startups as well makes sense so i would say be smart and genuine about this mm-hmm. uh, do understand the cost speed and other implications of setting up a team or headquarters outside india for an india based startup i would say an over, overseas team is more expensive adds organizational complexity and could slow the startup down in decision making in important decision making process where as we just discussed speed is most important for these startups Uh, on the flip side it is also important to be closer to your customers so to have a bulk of your customer facing and even key decision makers in your customers time zone to be able to speak their language understand their concerns and act quickly on them so hence if uh, if uh, us or europe is uh, one of the biggest market for a startup or the startup is aiming it to be that way then definitely a strong yes for uh, outside india presence or present in the market where startup is aiming to grow it adds credibility it helps with con- conversion a better conversion and overall growth uh, i would say do not get a, 
uh, an outside India address just for the sake of it, if you do not have a valid reason to do, this could hamper the credibility on the other side. But if there is a strong reason, if there is a customer reason or something like that, it is very, very helpful. Yeah, I think this is this is helpful. I feel many startups do, uh, you know, when they're expanding globally, as you mentioned, right, do start hiring in other geographies because the people there also bring their own connects. So the the sort of uh, net that the startup casts is much wider than just cold calling. And, you know, people from different geographies, if they become a part of your team, uh, they add more uh, than what you could do from a cold calling perspective. So that's a fair point too that you sort of touched upon. True, and depends on the kind of uh, leads that you are you're having. Right? Is it with small businesses? Is it with large organizations? Uh, a large organization preferably uh, may want to meet in person. Uh, I understand COVID and pandemic has uh, pushed us to being more digital. Uh, but eventually, hopefully this all gets better, we are back to normal. At that time, the preference for startups, and again, a big corporate investing in one startup, they're they are very conscious of where they're putting their money and their, their brand into, and they would more likely than not would like to meet the team, would like to meet the CEO, and, and understand and 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 see how, how well they're connected. So having a person in that time zone would be very, very helpful. Super. Even if it is in the current scheme of things, even if it is on the digital front, but having somebody from that location or time zone would be looked in a positive light if you know there is a complex project or a, uh, yeah. a much large customer that uh, the startup is targeting. Super. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Just just taking it from there, right? A little bit of a shift in the question, but uh, when startups from India are pitching to the global forum, they're up against these uh, global companies who are either giants or, you know, head-to-head competitors also. What do you think has been some of the differentiating things that Indian startups bring to the table and how can they sort of pitch themselves a little bit differently to have a little bit of an edge over the others? What has your experience been like uh, while evaluating Indian startups for some of uh, your internal needs. Yeah, I mean, India is a big market, so um, a lot of startups rightfully so focus only on the Indian market. But as we discussed, right. they're also branching out. They are going global. They're going after global markets, and they're fighting the global uh, competition on two fronts: a for the India market, and b globally. Um, I would say, irrespective of where the customer is, India-based startups have a very strong cost and talent advantage compared to other global hubs uh, so that is definitely one and um, leverage good for startups to leverage this as much as possible second is for india consumer facing startups with the with, with the global customers there's a um, language advantage over peers in china or latin america to expand uh, for indian consumer facing startups with local India-based customers, Indian languages act as an early mode. So if you're competing with competing on a global scale, having brought up in India uh, in, in an English medium language, everyone speaks, most of your team speaks English fluently, it gives an ability to expand quickly around the world. And in India, because there are so many languages being spoken, if it's a homegrown startup, you understand the nuances that you have to create a multi-linguistic app uh, or, 
uh, or a website to get to that audience. So I think that also played smartly add add to the strength. Uh, last, I would say ease of doing business. It is not easy uh, for outside companies to set up shop in India for good or for bad and to compete at a very early stage when they may not have as much resources to figure out uh, maybe the the legal structures, the tax uh, tax uh, structures and things like that, and uh, have to navigate the business landscape. So uh, at a very, very early stage, <clears throat> it's easier for Indian startups to grow and scale and, and not bear the uh, law of competition. Obviously, it comes later on, but they, they have few initial months to grow. So I would say aim to solve um, problems at a global scale. Uh, this will shift the battleground to outside India and these startups have a scale advantage. Sure. One more thing on, on the same, uh, you know, topic is, I mean, we, as VCs, when we evaluate Indian startups, we come across many teams that are probably competing or at par with the global leaders in this space, be it giants or be it, you know, upcoming startups as well on the tech quotient. Has that been a similar experience on your end as well? Or do you think uh, the Indian deep tech startups still need to learn a couple of things to sort of get there to really, you know, compete shoulder to shoulder with uh, some of the other teams that exist globally? I think Indian startups are at par with the best in the world. Uh, it's a good technology, good talent. A lot of people from the top tech Indian companies have uh, top tech global companies have have gone back to India and started up. So in terms of the the raw ingredients needed, uh, they're at par. I think it's just about having the the vision that they can um, found companies in this area and solve for global challenges. Also, I think the on the funding side. Uh, Maybe you can you can tell me more about this, but check sizes are slightly different as we see in India and outside. And for a deep tech startup, you require a bigger check size. So that could be a reason. And we need VCs like yourself to change that uh, and bring the Indian startups on par with the global global platform. Yeah, we're on that mission, Nitesh, as you know. So so hopefully we'll have some good stories uh, that we can talk about a few years down the line where some of the teams that are from the Indian deep tech ecosystem, right? It's, it's also tightly knit, uh, knit ecosystem on the VC front too. So so we'll be able to, you know, call out certain cases that, hey, these guys have become big uh, and things like that, right? Things to be proud of. And they, then they become a little bit of a uh, sort of a playbook for other guys to, you know, draw inspiration from. Great. Uh Last question from my end, Hitesh, uh, is, uh, you know, on a personal and a professional level, what is, you know, your approach or your mantra that you want to sort of uh, leave the listeners with uh, and something that has sort of helped you, uh, you know, augment the way you look at things or, you know, grow or take care of things in a in a different orbit as well? Sure. So uh, I would say in my last school, I was a, I was managing a complex product. And something that helped me and I believe would resonate well with Indian startups would be uh, build locally with global in mind. So you are building your products in, in India, uh, but for the global audience in mind at the day one, you're competing globally for them. So that could be helpful as they grow big, as they scale the world and as this as they look to solve 
global problems and not only focus on the indian challenges right and i think that sort of resonates with many deep tech teams that uh, we've uh, sort of had conversations with but i think it sort of reinstates the uh, this thinking that you know you may solve a local problem and build here but it could solve much larger problems and be cognitive to the fact that it could get deployed at scale in different regions also superb so this has been uh, a pleasure speaking to you hitesh i thank you for your time and hopefully we'll have you know another set of conversations that after another series and you know maybe on our next season but good to sort of get your views here and help our listeners get into the head of somebody from the corporate realm who also understands startups and be a little bit more candid than you would uh, be in your position or in comparison to other guys who are you know at, at similar levels like you so thanks so much thanks arjit for inviting me any questions anything i could answer feel free to drop me a line always here to help thank you so much